0: Thank you for the work that you are doing in each one of us. I pray this morning, as we look at your Word, that uh, as we come to that with open hearts, that you would challenge us, you'd transform us, that we would be, be become more and more like you, Jesus, in every every area of our lives. Come and have your way, Amen. Fantastic. So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at different things, and we've been looking at, um, last week we looked at about the fact that, uh, well, the last few weeks about taking the guys who came, coming in to take possession of the land, and how there's more for us to do, to stop going round the mountain time and time again, but actually move forward into what God has for us. And uh, I want to look a little bit more at that, wall, kind of developing on from that, in that... um, I want to look at more part of what the essence of taking the land is. And yes, we can look at taking the promised land as uh, fulfilling the call of God, uh, uh, taking ground in different areas like John and Saul and all those things. Well, that's part of taking the ground. But really, the biggest part of what it means to take possession of the land is that everything... Actually is about people It's not about programs It's not, a, it's not so much about your, the purpose of God In your life or anything else It's about people Because people are important to God It's not about the programs or your possessions Or, the, or, or progressing into different things or, or all of those things Because what lasts for eternity Are people Your job doesn't. Your reputation doesn't. Your anything else doesn't. It's people that are important to God and it's people that uh, last for eternity. And so really, that which has eternal value are the lives of people. So in essence, really, for us to understand fully what it means to take possession of the promised land is for us to understand that that is people who come to salvation. That's the most important thing. People are what is on the heart of God. Not our programs, not our strategies, not our vision or our goals or anything else. It's people. Yes, God uses all those things to help us get there, but we mustn't ever lose sight of the fact that the most important thing is people. If you look at Scripture, nothing else in all of creation is created in the image of God except man, humanity. Nothing else. Because when we see where God created man in his own likeness, and he made them in his image, and that's us. And so for us to understand that the key to everything we do needs to be exactly what God's purpose and plan is, which is that people come to a relationship with him. Salvation, discipleship, healing, freedom, experiencing his love, holiness, most of all to come into a place of relationship with him. When we look at Adam and Eve before the fall, they walked with God. It says that they were naked and unashamed, and, and, and that's more to do with uh, a vulnerability and an openness before God, being uh, without hiding anything, without uh, anything that's in the way between them and God, than it has to do about clothing. It's, it's an image of total vulnerability and total honesty before God. And walking intimately with Him. And when sin entered, that relationship was broken. And because God is just, He gave them the consequence to their choice, which they knew would be there anyway. And so what we see is mankind, who is made in the image of God, disobeyed God, and a relationship was broken with God. But because God loves us so much, He made a way. He made a way that we could come to a relationship with Him or come back into a relationship with Him. Uh, he, and the whole way through the Old Testament, you see how they came to encounter God and meet God was through the whole law and the sacrifices and everything else. And, and there was a way that they could do that, but it wasn't uh, permanent. But even before the law, if you look at Noah, just to show the heart of God for people, And Noah in in Genesis chapter six it says that man was evil, everything he did and thought was evil. He did what pleased him, and that the Lord was grieved that he had made man, and in his heart was filled with pain. And while and, and he had in his will to wipe man from the face of the earth, everything that he'd created, because God was grieved. And yet there's this one line which speaks about Noah. But Noah found favor. In the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man. Blameless among the people of his time. And so God relented and didn't. Why? Because God loves mankind. But Noah was righteous in the eyes of God. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. If Noah hadn't. Would we be here today? But because Noah found favor. And God loves Humanity, man created in his image, he relented. He sent the flood, but kept humanity alive. And throughout the whole whole of the whole of the Old Testament, we see God's heart is still for man. No matter what man has done, all the crazy things that man did, and disobedience and everything else, we still see in God's love for humanity, even before Jesus came. God didn't destroy humanity humanity and actual fact he frees them from slavery he feeds them from heaven he gives them the choice land of canaan which we've been looking at the promised land why because god loves us god's heart has always been for man and he made the ultimate way that we could come into a relationship with him by sending his son This incredible love of God for humanity, he made the way by sending his son Jesus to come and live and die and pay the debt that we owe. But here's the incredible thing. I don't know if you've ever thought of this because it's logical if you know scripture, but we don't always consider it. Because I mean we celebrate Christmas, like John said, it's Jesus' birthday when Jesus came. So we celebrate the time of Jesus' coming. And, and we see the incredible work of Jesus through the lives of people and the fact that he died on the cross. And we know it says in, in Philippians chapter 2 that he, being the very nature of God, he didn't consider the quality of God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant, being made in the likeness of man, and came to earth. But let's remember this. Jesus didn't come to earth in ignorance. It was a choice. Jesus was there at the creation of earth. Jesus was there at the creation of man in the image of God. Jesus was there, Noah's time. And every other thing, Jesus was there because he has always existed, because he is part of the Godhead. So, Jesus came to earth not in ignorance, but with full understanding of the nature of humanity because of their disobedience. With the full knowledge and understanding of what it meant to live as a human being. With all the frailty and all the, uh, the pride and all those other things that were going to be bombarded, he knew that. So, he didn't come ignorant. He knew all of that. He knew what his plan, the plan was for his life on earth. And yet he still chose to lay aside everything and take on the form of man to live and die a gruesome death, which he knew would happen, so that we could be reconciled with God. That's how much He loves us. Incomprehensible, really. That's how much God loves us. That's how important a relationship with humanity is for God. And so surely, that should be what burns on our hearts and in our, and in our lives. Because Jesus made the way open for, for God and man to walk again together he did it because he loves us he did it knowing that some people would not believe him and would reject him but he still did it he did it knowing that some would ridicule and those would kill him and that even all the way through humanity's existence there would still be some who reject him yet he still chose to do it isn't that incredible incredible the love of God for humanity so that we could have life to the full, that we could live in a relationship with God, our Creator, so that we could be those who God has created in us the things and given us the power and the authority in the Holy Spirit to live out and display to the world and show the world His love through us and the message of the Gospel. Why? Because every single person matters to God. If we look at the life of Jesus, we see his love for people evidenced through how he lived. It wasn't about him being a carpenter's son, or even doing that. It wasn't about him even, he had compassion on people. We see him heal the sick. We see him feed the 5,000. We see him feed the 4,000. We see him, uh, or we read about him bringing freedom to the people demonized. We see him turning water into wine for man's enjoyment for no other reason. No other reason. We see him speak to outcasts. There's the Samaritan woman at the well. There's Mary. There's Zacchaeus. There's Lazarus. There's the children who come to him. You can go on and on and on. Just read the Gospels and see how the love of God... For humanity is outworked in the life of Jesus. And then we realize that's who we're supposed to be like. When we look at walking in and taking possession of the promises of God in the promised land, it's not for our benefit. It's so that all humanity can come to a relationship with God. Yes, we do benefit in it as a byproduct but in actual fact, our purpose, our call, the, the promised land is to see people come to salvation because they need Jesus, because Jesus is the answer, and because people matter to God, and that the Father is compelled to reach the lost, uh, to reach people. It's who He is. The love He has for people... And the love, the love that Jesus had for people, the love that Jesus had for the Father, is evident so much in how he lived his life on earth. He spoke to children. He spoke to Roman centurions. He reached them both, the outcasts and the lepers, all the way through to the rich ruler. From prostitutes to priests. No one was beyond his reach. The fishermen, the tax collectors, the wealthy, the poor. Everybody. There's no divide he would not cross. And so the same should be true for us. His unconditional love, his acceptance, his forgiveness... His hope is for humanity, every single one. And so we are in the next few weeks going to look at different things about what it means to take possession of the promised land. But this, in essence, needs to be the bedrock, the thing that goes through every aspect of what we do, is that we would have an understanding of God's intense, incredible love for people, And his desire to walk in relationship with them, that they would come to salvation, be plucked from darkness into light. And that he works through us, the church, and that should be the most important thing in our lives, apart from him, is to see others come to relationship with him. The same is true for us today. The cross is the message of the gospel, the evidence of God's love that same love that God has for humanity, the question is, do we have that? Because God's love and purpose for them is the same then as it is today. So just start to personalize it. For me, the gospel and the love of God to be demonstrated and therefore our love for others is the same for me as it is for my gay neighbors or the Hungarian and the Turkish couple who live a few doors down. Or the young couple who always seem to be a bit nervous of us since we said hello. <laughs> for, for Jim and Jimmy, Jenny, who live there and have just, sorry, for sale sign, the love of God for them. For your boss. For your work colleague who sits next to you and gossips all day. God's love is for them, the gospel is for them. Your unsaved family, God's love is for them. There's no one and there's nothing that should divide and separate us from reaching others with the gospel. From what we would consider the worst sinner to the nicest sinner, (laughs) we somehow divide these people. Well, these people are easy, they're nice, they're dignified, they don't do all of that. If they don't know Jesus, they sinners. And their, their, their future is without God until they reach, they reach and they meet him. Someone who does the most appalling things. Think, well, God still reaches. They're still important. They still need the gospel. They still need to experience the love of God. Why? Because they matter to Him. And therefore they should matter to us. People last for eternity. That's the promised land. Our commission is to go and reach people. The lovely and the unlovely. The outcasts and the famous. The unemployed and the super-rich businessmen, and everybody in between—the young, the old, every culture, every people group, every everywhere—I'm horrified when I read some things in the news. From and you think, how can people think like that? And think, well, because they don't know Jesus. And then I'm sometimes horrified when I think people who do know Jesus behave like that, and you think that's just unexcusable in some ways. But the point is this, if we have encountered God, if we are children of God, and we have the Spirit of God in us, then we must become more and more like Jesus. And His heart, for those who don't know Him, should rage through us so that we move into those places of reaching them. Unconditional love, acceptance, forgiveness the gospel which transforms the life of every single person there should be no divides there should be no divides in the church but there should be no divides that we do not cross for the sake of the kingdom. you think well i haven't got anything in common with them what did jesus jesus of nazareth born to a carpenter because that's how the world saw him uh, and uh, I mean, you, we know the uh, scripture even says, some, I can't remember who it was. Can anything good come from Nazareth? That's kind of the town he came from. In modern day, you can kind of hear echoes of that. Did anything good come from Crawley? It's like, yeah, the gospel. And so, the same, you see, they didn't have anything in common a carpenter's son in a forgotten backward town and a rich young ruler. A Roman soldier, the, uh, what have they got in common? Didn't stop Jesus. Why? Because the gospel's for everybody. The love of God is for everybody. And so it should be through us to everybody. God's heart for people. Our hearts for people should be just like his. We just need to ask God to help us have that heart. His heart for those who don't know him, so that we're bold enough to take the step and reach across. John was speaking about how they just one family that was those people right next to that place. I'm I'm being vague because I'm now recorded. Those that are in front of you, reach them. Those that are in front of you, love them. Even if you think it's really hard look at Jesus the truth is none of us are easy to love not even you we aren't but God's love how do we reach the world how do we take the promised land of people's lives who's standing in front of you reach them who's living next door to you love them, reach them Who's working next to you at work? Who's the client that comes in? Who's standing next to you in a queue? Who's, who are you naturally drawn to? Who, who do you sometimes avoid? All of them. Who, whoever's in front of you, one person at a time. That's who we share the love of Jesus with. That's who we share our faith with. That's who we pray for. That, and God does the rest. But we are the ones who need to be carrying his love to them. Also means that as we do that, we sometimes we don't step out because of fear. Fear of being rejected, fear of being thought weird, fear of all sorts of stuff. But you know what? Jesus knew that some people would reject him and he still came to earth. Jesus knew some people would hate him and they still and anyway, Scripture tells us if you love those who love you, you're no different from those who are unsaved. If you lend to those who pay you back, you're no different from anybody else. Even sinners do that. Love those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. That's what it means to reflect Jesus. That's what it means to be believers and showing His love for others. And we embrace those relationships, whether it be with people in the church, with discipleship and friendship, or people who don't know him. We don't come into it, well, this is now, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to tell you. It's like, I'm going to share my life with you. You see, if we always approach it with, I've got something to tell you, I've got something to teach you, we can come across very arrogant and know it all, and we close the door. If we come and say, actually, let me just share my life with you. I want to share the love of God with you. Without saying it, we just demonstrate it. And when they ask, then we—I'm not saying we don't preach the gospel; we do. But we don't go to—I won't go to my neighbor and say, "Look, I want to—I want to come and share the love of Jesus with you and teach you about the Scripture." They, when they found out I was a church leader, that one of them stepped backwards because they kind of think because of the history of the church's persecution of those who are homosexual. And suddenly, what do you do? And and I said what I did. It's almost like the Jehovah's Witness whose house it was that they lived in. It's like when I told him I was a church leader, he also stepped backwards. But but we don't stay there. We say, okay, but that's okay. I'm still going to share my life with you. I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to show you who God is. I don't say it. I demonstrate it. That's what it means to say, God, you've placed us here. The promised land of Crawley is not the soil and the buildings, it's the people. Who in your life, in your world, needs Jesus? Every single one. See, people need love and acceptance and all of those, but most of all, they need forgiveness and they need to encounter God. Because until they do that, they won't experience true, true love. They won't experience true acceptance until man's greatest need. I know the world tells us man's greatest need is love and all those other things of acceptance, and man's greatest need is forgiveness of sin. That's man's greatest need. Because without forgiveness of sin and encountering God, their eternity not just the next five years, their eternity is without God. And because of eternity, Jesus chose to come so that we could have a relationship with him and live for eternity with him, reconciled to the Father. But we need to show God's unconditional love, everlasting love to those around us. When we look at God's love, we, that's the one we need to embrace first, is God's love. Scripture tells us, Jeremiah 31:3.'t if you're writing those, don't try and write all these down. I'm just going to go through them quickly. Jeremiah 31:3, "I've loved you with an everlasting love." 1, John three: nine: "How great is the love of the Father has lavished on us so that we' be chil- called children of God, And that is what we are. 1: John :48: "Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We love because he first loved us. Romans 5, God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Ephesians 2, 4-6, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive in Christ Jesus. By grace we have been saved. And we you think, well... Look at, even those who do believe, look at how Jesus treated Peter. Peter who denied him. We know that account. When Jesus was arrested, Peter denied him three times. And then you look at his reinstatement of Peter. So if you're here this morning and you're a believer and you think, well, yeah, I understand that, but you don't know what I've done since I've got saved. Here's an example of God's heart. Just look at the prodigal son, the lost sheep, but all those parables of Jesus, but the example of Peter, Peter denied he even knew Jesus. He said, no, I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not know- I don't know him at all. You've got it wrong. I don't know him. And yet, when Jesus is raised from the dead and finds Peter, he not only reinstates him in his relationship with him, but he entrusts him With the lives of others, because he said, feed my sheep, pastor my flock, look after those that I give you. In other words, because we know that the church is the bride of Christ, this person who denied he knew him. If you see that parallel, Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. Peter says, I don't even know the bridegroom. God's love, grace, and mercy restores him to the point he says, Look after my bride. So if you're sitting here this morning and you think, That doesn't fit for me, it does. Because no matter what's gone on, the love of God, when we come to him with repentance and, uh, and, and he forgives us and, and we can walk in the fullness and he entrusts us with people. Maybe you feel like, well, I've tried preaching the gospel. I've tried and I've been rejected and I haven't listened or I've made a mess. God still entrusts you with the gospel for more people. Still. Why? Because people matter. People are precious to Him. That's why His Son came. That's why we were created for that relationship with God. And the the way God chooses to reach them is through us, those who already experience His love, already know who He is. So how do we respond to him? We respond by loving him above all else. By loving God above all else. And that's through intimacy with him. There's, there's a thing called the Shema, which is in Deuteronomy 6, I think. It is love, And it's repeated through Scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. In other words, with every fiber of your being, every part of your emotion, every part of your intellect, every part of your body, every, everything about you, love God with that. And Jesus, when he's asked, what is the most important command? He quotes that. And then he says, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we love God and we love others. We love God and we show our love for God through our obedience. He says, if you, obey, if you love me, you will obey me. Obedience is loving God with our whole being. That's how we demonstrate our love for Him. That's how we demonstrate our love for others. Walk with intimacy before God. Remember the picture of Adam and Eve? Transparent, open life, nothing to hide. That's how we to walk, and we can when we have Jesus. That's how we walk in the love of God. That's how we walk with a relationship that's transformed. And so we first love God, but then we love others. In that same way that we walk with God, we to walk with others. Open and transparent, not masks, not holding records of wrong, not all sorts of stuff, but be able to walk with openness and transparency with each other so that we can demonstrate the love of God to others and then the world around us. John fifteen twelve. my command is this love each other as I have loved you. So not only do we love God and love others, but we also love others, not the way the world loves, but the way that God has loved you. So just for a moment, think of a time or an incident or, or, or a moment in your life where you have experienced, think, I can't believe God you love me like that. maybe it's in spite of that that's how we to love others because he says love others as I have loved you laying down his life forgiving, restoring no divide too big so it's not just knowing we to love God and to love others but how we love others is how God loves us Which is a big thing, especially if the others are not so lovely in our minds. Then we have to realize how God, so we don't love how the world loves or how we think they deserve or don't deserve to be loved. But we love how God loves us, which is always unconditional, undeserved, fully, completely, with grace and mercy, without prejudice, without holding back. That's what it means to take the promised land. Because the promised land is the people. And in order to overcome the enemy, we to love as God loves. To preach the gospel as God's instructed. God's heart is for people and it only comes through prayer and intimacy with him that our heart becomes like his heart. But if we want to walk into what God has for us, it starts here. Loving God loving others and God's love for us is demonstrated through so many things I'm just going to jump through some of this stuff but how uh, and and uh, the scripture tells us that when we need to be corrected God corrects us and disciplines us because he loves us so even the things that we don't like is because God loves us God doesn't discipline because he's got nothing else to do it's when there's something wrong that needs to be corrected he brings it so that we can walk in righteousness, holiness, freedom, fullness of life, and conform to his likeness. But we to live with hearts that are pliable in the hands of the potter. That as he says, here, this attitude adjust that. This issue, stop doing that. Why? Because I love you. I don't want you to go that route. But also so that you can show my love for them. Remember that God's heart is for people who are the only ones in creation who created in his image every single one. Sometimes I think we can think well we created in we, people are created in his image but we reflect and that's just pertaining to the church. No, all those who don't know him were also created in his image. They just need to be renewed by the spirit of God and born again. To understand that and to live reflecting him. Make sense? But our hearts need to be beating with God's heart for those around us. I'm going to end, but we have a choice. Either we leave here this morning after the preach and the meeting for helping out and the tea and coffee and the catching up with friends. We, We leave and we just carry on like we always were. Or we can respond to him and say, God, please change my heart for people. Please change my arrogant presumption. Please change my prejudice or my blindsidedness or my unwillingness to step across the divide. Please change my heart from being so self-focused to God, let me love them as you've loved me. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, God wants you to walk in that relationship with Him. But if you're here this morning and you already know Him, realize that as a child of God, we're to walk before Him with nothing hidden, vulnerable, exposed, because He knows everything anyway. We're just fooling ourselves if we think he doesn't. So don't let anything that's going on or gone on stop you from going to him. But with a hearts cry, God, I want your heart for everybody. Those who are saved, those who are unsaved. My neighbors, I don't know, people who've hurt you, rejected you, all sorts. God, give me your heart so that I can love them as you want me to love them so that they will come into a relationship with you. Either we walk out and just carry on the day, or we respond. And so I I know we don't do this often, but today I really do think there needs to be a sense, almost like a a declaration to ourselves, but also to others of, God, I want to love like you love. I want to have a heart for people to see them come to you. I think this morning... I'm going to ask that if you, and this is not manipulative, so no one's going to judge you. If, you don't, if you're not in that place or today it's not, God's not speaking to you, please don't feel pressure to do this. But in preparing, I just felt we actually need to step up. So I'm not going to call it to frame. I'm just going to say stand. And, and we'll pray that God would come and change our hearts. That we would love as he loves It's between you and God. It's not in front of anybody else. It's between you and God declaring, God, give me your heart. Then I will reach across the divide and we will pray. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for your incredible, unfathomable love for us. And the price that you've paid that we would walk in that relationship with you. This morning, God, you know our hearts. And as we've stood and said, God, I don't want to go on just like I have been. But change my heart. Adjust my focus. Help me to reach across any divide that might be there. To show your love to those around the dying world that doesn't know you. To love as you loved us or love us in our relationship with each other as a church community, but beyond the walls to our neighbors, our colleagues, our families, the town, the nation. Spirit of God, I ask that right now you would come and work in every single one of our hearts. Change our thinking, adjust our attitudes, transform us. Lord, this morning we surrender like clay in the hand of a potter. Mold us, Lord. Fashion and form us, Lord, that your love would flow through us. Not as the world knows, but as you have created it to be. And God, give us that heart and passion to reach those around us. To demonstrate that to a lost and dying world. Give us courage and boldness where we've shrunk back and held back. And break our hearts for the lost. That our love for each other be evident, evidence to them that we are your children, that we would walk open, unashamed, accepted, loved, free, with you and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen.